Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by two members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hello. And I am Scott. Hey there. And uh, tonight we're going to kind of roll straight into the episode. Um, we have had uh, we had Ray on this evening for a quick chat. Uh, Ray is from Fortis. Uh, he's been in the business for about 30 years, dealing with all sorts of product um, of fossil fuels in many different countries and locations so he's uh, he's a valuable valuable asset to fortis and he really helps provide some uh, really good information uh, especially on lngs and lng expert which is liquid uh, liquefied natural gas mm-hmm. um, it's just some good safety tips and things around their products and uh, yeah all the wonderful things that they do for the volunteer service so without further ado we're going to get straight into the interview And uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Ray, Ray from Forest. How are you, Ray? Fantastic. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, greatly appreciated for you coming on, actually. Uh, We've been having some conversations back and forth about getting something together. And uh, you guys, uh, as as a company, tend to do uh, many, many things for us as a department, as well as for uh, volunteers all over the place uh, in our service as well. So uh, it's... Greatly appreciated that you uh, had some time to come on and have a bit of a chat with us. It's my pleasure and Fortis's pleasure. I mean, we appreciate and respect the hard work that uh, the volunteer firefighters uh, do all across the province. And uh, it's not an easy job. So anytime that we can support them in any way that we can, we uh, we always do our best to, to help out. That's fantastic. Yeah, we we've definitely noticed it. Obviously, you've uh, you've helped us with multiple uh, multiple seminars and things like that too. So, and uh, light demonstrations always always uh, appreciate. So, Ray, just uh, do us a favor and tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, kind of how long you've been in the industry, where you started, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so I've got uh, over thirty years uh, in the oil and gas industry, and um, so from. From that, it stems back to early days of sargas production operations, which is where natural gas kind of has its roots, and uh, worked through a lot of that process up into the refining, uh, cleaning it all up before we send it to market, before it gets to people's homes and stuff. And along the way, um, had the pleasure and opportunity to work in different parts of the, the industry, right up into where I am now, where you know we, we find some unique opportunities to take natural gas uh, that was just typically heating homes, hot water tanks, all those kinds of things. And now we're actually using it in the transportation network where power generation, uh, there's a variety of new initiatives and stuff as technology's moved along. So it's uh, it, interesting for me to realize that, you know, where I started and the roots and stuff and where it's where it's taken me, I wouldn't have guessed, you know, 30-some years ago that uh, some of the new initiatives and things that are going on would have come about, but uh, super impressed to be a part of it. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely one of those industries that, it affects absolutely everyone on multiple different levels. 
um, like you said, whether it's from heating um, all the way through now into, uh, we actually, we went to a fire uh, not too long ago, earlier last summer, and uh, there was two vehicles, I believe, definitely one, that had uh, it had a liquid natural gas, or was it propane? It was propane, I don't, I don't, it was propane. I, don't, I don't know if that was liquid natural gas yet. Underneath? It could have been. Could have been. <laughs> but again, it's being used on vehicles, etc., as yeah. well now. So yeah. it's something that uh, people should definitely be looking out for because more and more people are starting to install these things mm-hmm. as they go through. So definitely another feature for us to be, again, uh, just keeping our head on 364 for sure. So um, you uh, you directly specialize now, Ray, in uh, LNG, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, in liquefied natural gas. So do you want to explain <clears throat> a little bit about uh, liquid natural gas there? Sure. It's, uh, and, and I appreciate you asking that question because it does get confusing um, you know, for the consumer because, I mean, you, you, you see the product, but you don't typically understand all of the background uh, behind what's going on. Liquefied natural gas itself has been around for you know, more than 50 years, and it's simply just taking natural gas and you cool it down to minus 162 degrees Celsius, and when you do that, it becomes one six hundred of its original volume. And the benefit to doing that is that you can take a whole bunch of gas and store it into smaller containment. And then when you need it later on, which is what they were doing at the Fortis Tilbury plant in Delta, um, when the gas system needed more more natural gas, then you could turn around and take the liquid, warm it back up again, back to its natural state, which is a gas re-injected into the system, and make sure that all the customers in the area were all their demands were being met as far as heating their homes and stuff during the colder climates. And then over time, it's evolved into uh, the transportation network. So there are a number of trucking companies that have, uh, as the technology has evolved, will take um, liquefied natural gas. And again, because the 1 to 600 ratio can store it into, into fuel tanks on the trucks, the saddle tanks that they typically would have diesel. Instead, they've got specialized uh, double wall vacuum insulated tanks that hold LNG. And again, same thing. You can't burn the liquid. So you have to reintroduce re, uh, it back into a gas state. And uh, when you do, then inject it into the engine and burned, and, and away you go. Um, one that it gets confused with often is, is CNG, or compressed natural gas. And when you compress natural gas, you can get it to a 300 to 1 ratio. So there's quite a difference between when it's liquefied versus when it's compressed. And the advantage uh, for those is just the, the volume that you can store, and away you go. So if you're BC Ferries or C-SPAN, uh, you can have enough liquefied natural gas that you can reconvert back into gas and inject into the engines and operate those ferries for the distances that they're traveling back and forth, which works out really well for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's extremely cost-effective as well. And I actually didn't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure well, that's, that, that's why I say this, mm-hmm. is, this is what makes it unique and interesting and a lot of fun for me is that, you know, it's just taking the opportunity to share the information. And, and one of the things that I, I highly value and, and appreciate with the fire departments is that by spending the time with them, you know, first and foremost, obviously, is you know how to respond to an emergency and what are the characteristics of the product that you need to know and understand so that you can respond appropriately. Because the last thing we want is for obviously yourselves to get injured or any other firefighters, and then to protect the public. Secondly, after that, so you know, doing the education sessions with with yourselves and and making you feel more comfortable understanding the characteristics, you become custodians for for us in a lot of ways by helping people better understand. So they have now fear and anxiety because they just don't know what they don't know um, by taking the time out with yourselves and educating you on it when we do the sessions in Oliver and that 
then that's the opportunity for us to bring the message to you. And when you have the message, then we know that that gets communicated on to the general public because there's a lot of work that you folks do with educating the public with fire safety, just you know, in a variety of venues that you have. So that's why, you know, for us, for us and, and, and participating in this is just so important. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's valuable knowledge every single time. Again, you know, we didn't know, I definitely didn't know that much about LNG initially there. So Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, what we saw, because obviously we were putting on the seminar when you first did it for us, so we, uh, you were nice enough to invite us afterwards, and we just kind of got to see the fire. We didn't really hear the, uh, the explanation of what it was, so it's good hearing it now. <laughs> and, yeah, it... it, it. Yeah, for sure, and it's just taking the time out. Well, you know, one of the things that we really try to focus on. I mean, the fun, there's no question. I mean, the, the burning part. We all have that inner inner part of us that always likes to to see the glow of a fire burning. But yeah. um, when we take it out of containment and when uh, we show people what it really looks like and what it is, it goes a long way to sort of dispelling it. And and the funniest part is is at the end of the day, even though it's in a liquid state, it's still natural gas. It's just the form that you're actually storing it in is the only thing that's different. So that's uh, that's the biggest part of it. And often people confuse it with compressed natural gas, thinking, well, you know, it's 3,000 or 3,600 psi. When when you liquefy it down to minus 162 degrees Celsius, it's actually zero psi. There's no pressure. And the transport trailers that are actually transporting the liquefied natural gas around to fuel stations and things like that. Um, the pressure relief valves on the trailers, a lot of them are set at around 70 to 100 PSI, depending on the type of trailer. Hmm. So it's not high pressure, which is also a misnomer that people make with it. Uh, and again, just because they just don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's an educational piece every single time, right? And uh, again, this information was stuff that I, I didn't know. Um, so yeah, it's extremely valuable, especially, like you said, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, it's definitely cheaper in a lot of instances, in a lot of ways. So we're going to see more of it. So having this conversation is, is very valuable. Scott? Now, can you explain the difference? Uh, I think we kind of understand it, but uh, of uh, propane versus natural gas? Because that also uh, gets confused in fire. So, interestingly enough, when if you go back to, so when I was talking about sour gas production operations, propane is generally one of the byproducts that you, you actually strip out of it. So propane, butane, ethane, or some of the byproducts of, of, of um sour gas, and then those are stripped out along with the sulfur and stuff to make then what we call sort of sweet gas. Uh, I think the biggest thing really is just the, the nature of the product and the way that it reacts so that you get a lot more violent reaction. Propane has a tendency to look for low-lying areas and will hang down there for extended periods of time. So if you, for example, had a, a propane tanker rollover and stuff, um, you know, one of the biggest concerns for firefighters is just recognizing that it's heavier than air, and as a result of that, we'll you know tend to find those low-lying areas. Uh, natural gas, as, as we as we predominantly know, is is typically lighter than air, and so when it's released into the atmosphere, it dissipates very quickly, and you don't have those low-lying areas. Now, of course, if it's confined into a, into a pipe or a culvert or something like that. Um, then like any other hydrocarbon, doesn't matter what it is, as soon as you confine it or restrict the space that it's in, introduce enough air to create that flammable mixture, then, uh, then that can present a, a really dangerous situation. So the, the propane part of it, um, you know, it, it has its purposes or use. Um, you know, home heating, obviously propane's been really popular for that. And, uh, you know, it's down around minus 40, so not minus 162. So it's not con- considered a cryogenic liquid. Uh, like liquefied natural gas is. <clears throat> now, when we uh, when we had you down, obviously uh, last time around for a seminar, 
you had uh, a a box or a vault, a, a, a vault. vault. It was the vault. That's right. <laughs> the vault. Yep, the vault. <laughs> Do you want to explain a little bit about that uh, to our listeners and just kind of what that is, the demonstration that you put on, and uh, especially how to. Uh, attack, so how to yeah. attack it, yeah, and just kind of deal with that as uh, from a firefighter standpoint, because water isn't the best idea, correct? <laughs> well, water water can work for you, and water can work against you, and so you know one of the big things that I talk of, talk to fire departments, and I've worked with a number of them all over North America, and the biggest thing that I I want them to understand from the sessions is often some training facilities will say, well, don't ever use water, but they don't explain why water can be can be really dangerous and they don't explain how water can work to your advantage so water directly onto a pool of lng will cause it to superheat really quickly so you're going to go from minus 162 minus 150 and now you've gone and hit it with with water you know could be um you know ambient temperature maybe it's a little bit cooler depending on the source and stuff but now you've got this large differential that you that you've created between the two, and when it does that, it causes it to heat rapidly and so fast it causes it, it causes a rapid phase transition, and the rapid phase transition is just the rate that it goes from a liquid back to its gas state, which is its natural state, and so that's where water starts to work against you because when you create that, now you've got a large <laughs> volume. Again, you're trying to transition from 600 to one really quickly. If in the vault. Um, one of the things that we were able to show folks is that as we put LNG into the vault and it gets into a comfortable state, it cools down the side of the wall of the vault. It's a stainless steel vault and, and, um, with the water and stuff that's in there, then what it does is it, it the liquid, sorry, the LNG cools it. And once it gets into a comfortable state, then the surface layer that's exposed to the air, that'll flash off to a gas, mm. but it, it will stay in that state. It'll freeze around the outside edge and it's quite happy. As soon as you introduce um, water into it and spray that on top of the pool, now you've caused it to flash off very quickly from that liquid to a gas state, causes this violent uh, eruption, which is a rapid phase transition. And again, if that if you create that situation, that's fine, as long as you understand that now you've got this large gas cloud and now you need to start to control that. So where the water works is that if you had it, um, if you just had uh, LNG that's, that's flashing off to a gas or if it's even burning, you just control the vapors. And you can do that with natural gas. You can do it with any hydrocarbons where you just simply control the vapors and where they're going. And you tend to also be able to dilute those a lot easier as well. So the, the range for the flammable range for, natri- or for liquefied natural gas is 5 to 15%. And so by using a water curtain around the side or the perimeter around the edge of it as the vapor's coming off, then you can redirect those vapors away from any ignition sources. And so that's what we try to work with uh, with your cells when we go through that. And if for some reason you find that uh, it's on fire and you want to put it out because you could lose a lot of structures, escalation, you think you can control the vapors, then when we show people if you did have to put it out, then you could use a dry chem extinguisher, which can be very effective at putting it out. So your vault is a lot like a giant frying pan and you put uh, water, if you put water on it, <laughs> in a grease fire. <laughs> Reminds me of that. You know what? I, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, if you had a grease fire, one of the things that we always teach people is, you know, you learn from an early days, I guess, growing up is you don't turn around and dump a bunch of water into a grease fire. Yeah. Because you're, you're creating a similar effect right. when something you've got that's superheated in that case as opposed to being really cold. Now you've got the opposite effect that you're getting off of that by uh, putting water on there. 
and the violent reaction that you get from doing that, and then obviously the, the effects from it. So uh, LNG, not not as quite as violent as, as a grease fire would be. You wouldn't have that same situation, but it's again, it's just knowing what, when you're approaching a situation, uh, whether it's a tanker that might have been rolled over and there's some product leaking, controlling vapors is a really good strategy, and water can be used to do that. It's just that you don't want to spray it onto the tanker and you don't want uh, valves and stuff to also freeze up that can't be manipulated because now they're frozen as a result of the water. Mm-hmm. So you kind of do like a like a, what, like a straight stream kind of into the fog or into the mist? Like a straight into the uh, gas fog? Is that kind so, of uh, you know, you can go full three-quarter uh, fog pattern um, just to redirect the vapors. Is uh, pretty has been really effective. And, you know, I've had larger and smaller... Um, gas clouds coming off of either liquid or just gas coming out of a pipe and um, just a good fog pattern. You know, I mean, you'll adjust that depending on the wind and stuff and what's going on and just redirecting the vapors away from any potential ignition sources. There's a fire department that I worked with um, that did the LNG training and stuff and they had a, a gas line between, between two structures that was struck and it was on fire. And they just made a conscious decision that they, they knew they could control the vapors. It was going to be a little while for the gas company in their area to get to where they were at because they're a little bit more remote. And rather than lose the two structures, uh, they decided to put the fire out and then just control the vapors. And then once the gas company was able to get there, they could uh, shut that down and save the two structures. And so the uh, obviously it was a win-win for everybody. But the big thing for the folks that their takeaway that they articulated back to the fire chief that, that got a hold of me was to say, you know, thank you, because we employed a strategy that we learned from an LNG perspective, but we applied it to a natural gas um, pipeline failure. And you know what? It worked really well. And something that they'll just kind of put that in the trunk of knowledge, and when they need to pull it out, that's what they'll do. Right, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. It, always, we're always trying to add more and more tools to the toolbox to be able to be a little bit more dynamic on the on the fire ground again we never know what we're getting called to so especially when it's natural gas calls and things mm-hmm. like that we tr- always try and take those and every call that we do extremely seriously um but definitely when we're approaching something that you cannot see it is way more dangerous when it is not a light and we don't fully know it's there until it's too late sometimes in some instances not necessarily for us but definitely in others smart for them to actually take the training and apply it in a different manner is fantastic uh, fantastic idea of doing yeah that. exactly you bring up a good point and i should make sure that i mention this for for the listeners and that is that one of the things that's really important to understand about lng that does make it different so we know that for natural gas we you know it's going to our homes <clears> and stuff we'll get the rotten egg smell and that's because of the odorant that we add to it so if you have methane in its natural state, it's colorless, odorless, tasteless, non-toxic, non-corrosive. And and so you can imagine that if you didn't have any scent or smell to it, you wouldn't be able to know if you actually had a leak. And so in your homes, that would be a really dangerous situation. So Mercaptan is added as an odorant to just alert people to, to the situation where you may have a leak. In order to liquefy LNG, one of the problems with Mercaptan that's in the natural gas that comes to the LNG plants is that it it doesn't uh, it doesn't stay in a in a, in a gaseous state um, when you get it down into minus 162 degrees Celsius. It'll just freeze into a great big ball, and so we strip the Mercaptan out uh, along with CO2 and some other things so that we can safely liquefy it. And so one of the things that's important is that you can't rely on your nose if you actually had a leak from LNG. So that's that's something that's important for people to understand. And so this is, you know, 
again, some of the things that we talk about when we're doing these sessions with the fire departments is how important it is to use your gas monitor, which you should use all the time anyways when you're approaching any scene where there's natural gas, because you don't know what the flammable range is that you might be entering, and your gas monitor is the only way to determine that. So one is the odor part of it that you don't have with LNG that you do have with natural gas. And so that's important, for example, if a fire department was dealing with a tanker rollover and it said 1972 on the placard, then they know that that is LNG that's in that tanker. And if it's leaking out, that they know they can't rely on their nose to tell them that there actually is a leak, that they've got to rely on their gas monitor to help them with that, to understand what the hazard may or may not be in the area. Yeah. <clears throat> the uh, I must admit, from... <laughs> from seminar viewpoint as well definitely um seeing that thing ignite and seeing seeing the the ball of flame that would come off of that it was it was amazing to watch every single time it was reignited um and definitely it was actually we've actually got it in uh if uh, if any of the listeners actually want to take a quick very brief uh, look at that in the beginning of our banner video on our Facebook page mm-hmm. you can see Scott actually going up to um, the vault that is on fire and extinguishing it with a uh, chem extinguisher um, we did get a little bit of footage of it last time it was around yeah um, excellent yeah I mean, we've got more more footage and uh, obviously when we're back down to Oliver we'll have a chance for you folks to to take some more footage but mm-hmm. but you raise another good point and that is that you know when you do ignite it, knowing where that 5 to 15 range is, another one of the, th- the characteristics that we want firefighters to understand is um, you, know, you can get a condensation cloud that comes off of it, depending on what the ambient temperature is doing and if it's raining or there's a lot of moisture. And so because it's so cold liquid, any of the moisture will start to create a condensation cloud. But you can't rely on the condensation cloud to know exactly where the flammable mixture is that's actually in that. And so if we're fortunate enough on certain days where we've got a, a larger white cloud that's coming actually off the LNG in the vault, when we actually come in to ignite it, it's always interesting for folks to realize where the ignition point actually is. And it surprises them that you don't get to the 5 to 15 until you're actually closer to the vault rather than, say, where there, you know that there's gas that's actually further away, but it's outside of that, that range, the flammable range. And so that's one of the, the techniques and things that we want to share as far as educating firefighters again is where that is and the, again it comes back to also the importance of your gas monitor now a lot of the fire departments also have thermal imaging cameras and although you can't tell what the flammable range is you can start to pick up a little bit more of the cold gas uh, and where it's at versus the cold liquid so you can start with where the liquid might be itself and then kind of follow the gas and you can see very quickly how it starts to dissipate that's good yeah. that's a solid solid uh, bonus tip right there yeah, it'd be Actually. really cool to see that live. Yeah, because I think the thermal camera is yeah. always associated with heat. With heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we, you know, again, when we do the sessions, if we've got some ticks running around, you know, if there's some ticks that people have in their rigs and stuff, um, that'd be great to bring them out and, and use that. I know, you know, we do a lot of work with the Justice Institute of British Columbia and do a lot of fire training sessions with them there. And that's definitely one of the, the things that we talk about is to bring out the uh, thermal imaging camera and uh, give them a chance just to kind of see um, what they get. Now, some you have to watch some of the ranges. You know, it, it won't give you the <laughs> how cold it really is uh, because the range on the tick might not go low enough. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I know even when we were doing spent some time with Kamloops last year, they were very impressed to, to pull the thermal imaging camera out. And I want to add, too, with the Kamloops folks last year, that was the first nighttime burn uh, in Canada 
of LNG was actually done uh, at the fire training grounds in Kamloops. Oh, they beat us to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not invited anymore. And, and, <laughs> and, and, to make, and to make sure that you guys aren't one up by Kamloops, because we would never want that to happen, <laughs> we're going to make sure that we planned it out to turn around and do a nighttime burn of LNG and Oliver here uh, coming up. Fantastic. Beautiful. That's what we're hoping for, for sure. Um, <laughs> now, in that conversation, and again, and as we started with this too, um, you had mentioned obviously <coughs> Fortis, and you've obviously now said that you've you've been to Kamloops. You've obviously been to our seminar many many times, and you put on these training sessions through both the JIBC and locally for departments as well. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about um, all of the things that Fortis does do? Again, um, kind of expressing all of the different points of their services and products to uh, volunteer departments and how they are helping and continue to help support volunteer firefighters and firefighters you know, paid uncle it doesn't matter would you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that yeah no yeah absolutely um you know this year is starting to to shape up to a busy year and we're really looking forward to it it's always an exciting time to for me because anytime you're not in the office is a good time um <laughs> i hope my boss doesn't hear that <laughs> um but yeah you know what we've got uh we've got you folks lined up here in in the early may um, there's the BC Fire Training Officers Association conferences in Coquitlam, and I think that's around the May 23rd, 24th. So uh, we'll be involved with those folks and what's going on there. Uh, we'll have some LNG live burn going on at the Justice Institute for that for that group in those sessions. Uh, First Nations Emergency Services Group are in the Tri-Cities May 25th. We won't be able to do any live burn, but we'll be doing some just general education and awareness around LNG. Uh, and natural gas. We've got uh, the BC Fire Expo. Uh, it's going to be in Vernon this year. So um, we've got that happening. I think it's around June 7th and 8th. So looking forward to uh, to that event. And then um, plan for the latter part of the year is to do a couple more sessions for at the Justice Institute. It makes it really easy for us to, to set that up. And then what we do is just send out a, an all points bulletin that we've got a couple sessions, uh, usually kind of half day. Uh, four-hour deals and um, send that out to the fire departments that happen to have folks that uh, can make it to the fire training center there and um, take the opportunity to share the information with uh, either training officers and folks that can make it out for that. So um, those are the things we've got on the go right now. Sometimes we do take, you know, we'll get special requests. So last year with Kamloops, we were doing some emergency response exercises with the Kamloops Fire Department because we do have LNG at a facility called Cool Creek. And so we said we would come back and uh, we were there for a week and there was 100 firefighters uh, went through uh, week-long se- four-hour sessions, but over the course of the whole week. So we put, I think we used up 110 fire extinguishers for 100 firefighters. So <laughs> it was, uh, that was quite an event, but, uh, but well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's just super valuable. We, we, we do our best. We have a unique piece of equipment that we'll have with us and um, in, in Oliver this year. Um, it's what they call a mobile refueling unit that we've kind of converted so that it's specifically to help out with doing live fire training in remote areas. So we recognize that not everybody can come down to the Justice Institute and do any kind of training there. And so uh, the intent is that the unit, and we'll use it for Oliver and some of these other locations I mentioned earlier, we'll be taking the unit there and doing some live fire training with it. Um, the goal longer term is that um, through the Justice Institute and with Fortis and the other 
companies that are involved in the Canadian uh, Gas Association is to develop fire training courses that the GI will then, along with all the other institutes across Canada, will start to run. And the intent is this mobile refueling unit would be to go out to the remote areas when those classes are going on and uh, provide that training, especially when you think of Kitimat and Prince George, um, Prince Rupert, stuff like that, the northern communities where it's more difficult to try and get down here to to, uh, do things. So so that's going to be a little bit more of that will be going on and the courses and stuff are, are getting developed. I'm not sure exactly when they'll be started, but um, it'll be for folks working at uh, liquefaction facilities and stuff. So lots going on in that space. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have got a lot planned. Again, mm-hmm. pushing around, always making sure that people um, that are aware, you know, people are aware um, that either are working with it, working around it, are going to have to deal with it in emergency situations. You, uh, Fortis, definitely seem to be consistently on the ball with that. And uh, it's greatly appreciated because, again, like most things, um, they can be looked at as dangerous. Um, however, with the, as we all know, knowing that we deal with fire, having that um, mindset of, well, yeah, fire is dangerous and a lot of things can be, mm-hmm. but if you respect it, and you treat it in the manner of which you need to in order to keep it safe and stay safe whilst using it, then it can be easily dealt with a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's great to get that kind of information back from you guys around your products, ensuring the safety of everybody around them <clears throat> and how best to work with them in situations where potentially they could be dangerous, mm-hmm. valuable. You know what, you, uh, <laughs> we don't even have to continue with this because you, you hit the nail on the head with it there. I mean, that's, that truly is the most important piece. And I, th- I don't think I can <laughs> emphasize enough just you know, what you said around respecting the fact that it is a hydrocarbon. And we, we see people, you know, and, and you folks deal with it. Um, you know, I see people at fuel stations, uh, whether they're getting gas or diesel. And we've just, as a society, gotten to the point where we disrespect it to, you know, and fortunately there's been a lot of engineering controls put in place to protect the public. But at the end of the end of the day, there are occasions when things go wrong and it's from not respecting the hydrocarbon and realizing that it can hurt you. And so it doesn't matter what it is. It could be natural gas, it could be gas, diesel, it could be a variety of other products that are out there. We still need to respect it. So you you did a great job of, of uh, highlighting the importance uh, for people to, to really bring their mind back to task and being aware of the hazards. Yeah, it's it's always super important for us. Again, if if we were always worried about everything that could be and would be and it was dangerous, we wouldn't leave the house. So, although that's where we're going. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. on that same note, um, obviously, with uh, with these things, you've you've done a lot of training. You've been around the different products for many many years. Um, would you say that there are you know a, a good top three tips that you could give to firefighters when dealing with any of your products that you that you have some real key ones that maybe it, they can be extremely obvious or they could be something that maybe just is a little bit different as to what the uh, the, the general consensus of thought is around those types of things. You know, I think the um, probably the the first one, and it's something that. Um, um, I got to play firefighter for for a little while before I started my career in oil and gas. And uh, one of the things that the chief had instilled us from the very beginning, and I've never forgotten, and it and really stems back to sizing up the situation. So when you're arriving on scene is having that 
that solid look around as to what exactly is it that we're getting ourselves into here. We know what the call was. Uh, you know, we know what you know the 911 dispatch has gone and said. What, you know what's roughly taking place, but that's based on you know a, an individual who has an observation, shares information, calls 911, and that's all that you have. And so rolling up onto the scene and having a really good assessment of, of what it is that you're actually seeing and how does that correlate back to what that person had reported in and, and does it match up? And if it matches up, then, then fine. But if it doesn't, then it's making sure that before you proceed with next steps that you, uh, you, know, you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, the other part for our side of it is just understanding the products and the characteristics you know, taking the time and, you know, again, this is one of the things that's really important to Fortis and, and, you know, we've talked a lot around the natural gas, but I, but I also want to emphasize even around electricity because those are two, two main products, I'll call them, um, that Fortis deals with is, you know, both natural gas and electricity. And, and again, it's knowing the, the hazard characteristics associated with, with the both of them. So they can hurt people if we don't understand, uh, the characteristics of them and how they react and respond. And so I'd say that's number two is just, you know, understanding a little bit more about what you're getting yourself into. And, you know, there's obviously electricity, you know, from, from the environment that you're in, whether it's a power pole, it's been struck from an MVA or whatever. Um, but if it's related to natural gas, if it's a compressed natural gas or LNG, there are indicators on the vehicles that will tell firefighters, uh, first responders, what, what the product actually could be. Uh, and if you don't see uh, some of the indicators, little triangles that, that say either CNG or LNG, um, you know, then you know you can sort of kind of start to rule that out. Um, but there's other things we talk about, the fuel tanks, just different different things to pick up on, but understand what the hazards and characteristics are. Um, and then I think the last one is that, you know, it's, you know, not every, every fire's got to get put out. So uh, sometimes just being able to control uh, and, you know, prevent escalation and uh, letting it burn off sometimes is probably the best way to actually get rid of it. The LNG is one of those things you can't just come in with a vacuum truck like you would with a gas and diesel spill and then suck it up and haul it away and, and stuff. Uh, it has to flash off to a gas before it's going to be all gone. You're, you're, you know, there is no equipment to draw that up. So it's important if that's the case is to understand because of the characteristics, um, you know, burning it off might be a good way to go as long as we can prevent an escalation or if we don't want it to burn, controlling the vapors. <clears throat> it's a really valid point where you say, you know, like it, the best way to deal with it sometimes if you can is just to let it burn. And we've had these conversations about structure fires where obviously it's a, it's a box and as long as there's nothing around the box that could then potentially continue that spread, that box will eventually just burn out and it will go away. And it, it doesn't necessarily need to be. Obviously, it's against our no, job. Not, and not ideal, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know, I know there's always the standing joke. Well, you know, I remember back in the day, well, the fire department's only good at saving the basement. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reality is, is that, just as you said, it, that there's a, there's a point where the fire is escalated to, to the point where there's, the structure's going to get destroyed one way or the other. And so what are, what are you willing to risk in order to try and put it out and what are you going to effectively accomplish? But if you can prevent escalation, which to me, you know, part of your scene assessment is knowing, well, if this goes bad on us, how is this going to escalate? And so that's part of saying, oh, you know what, the fire is the fire there, but we're going to prevent escalation, use water curtains and other techniques to protect the surrounding area and focus on that. And then we'll come back to trying to maybe reduce the heat radiation or fire that's coming off of there. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, letting it burn 
often is probably just the best thing at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just making sure that you control the exposures. And then if you do have to put it out, like you said, just making sure that you deal with the vapors that are coming off of there until your guys can show up and deal with the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, I've played with um, Class A, Class B, and high expansion foam. And and high expansion foam is used typically for really large LNG plants. Uh, down in the States, they have some uh, massive foam adductors. They're probably four foot in diameter they're they're just huge and in those situations for the potential you know for a spill that they might have in those facilities that all makes sense um but at the end of the day you're still not going to put it out so even if i've had uh, class b foam and i put a whole bunch of class b foam on there what i've all i've basically done is just suppressed how quickly it transitions from a liquid to a gas it still has to get back to its gas state it's still going to warm up it and again you can't suck it up with a vacuum truck and haul it away so you just all you're doing is just controlling the vapors and and often um what we did with some of the training uh, back in the day is we would ignite it and when we did then we just dump a bunch of foam on it reduce the heat radiation and then we just let it carry on until it burned itself out and we'll do that at um you know indian oliver as well with the vault when we put product in there we will uh we'll basically burn it off as the easiest way for us to actually get rid of it and and then you know what you're dealing with I mean, it's it's the cleanest burning fossil fuel, so there's advantages to to doing that because you don't get the soot and the the NOx and SOx issues that you do from other hydrocarbons. So, burning it off makes it a lot easier that way. Yeah, it's fantastic. We're really looking forward to it. And again, it's one of those big demonstrations that definitely shows off well um, to everyone in the area. Uh, we got right. some really good shots of it last year. Mm. I think just even like I said, those ignitions. The size of the flame, the the actual like height of the flame. Well, the the fact we have an air airport, <laughs> the landing <laughs> the landing pattern had to get changed for the weekend. I think. Well, you know, and, and that's a good example too. I mean, depending on a certain situation, uh, you might have to do a, a no tam and uh, call the airport and say, "Yeah, you know what? <laughs> we might not want to have a bunch of planes flying over top of uh, over this." Uh, I remember that down in in Houston. Uh, was the Houston Firegrounds, and and so we got everything all set up and stuff. And all of a sudden, this plane comes scooting across the trees and over top of us. And I said, "Okay, you know, I think we should probably just wait and make a phone call because they need to kind of redirect their trajectory because um, we're going to create a whole bunch of heat here, and we're going to get a big thermal column going and stuff. And I don't think they'll be too excited to break the trees and see <laughs> flame and heat coming up and stuff. So let's just plan a little differently here. So I remember from Oliver, we we had that." We should be fine this year, hopefully. So, um, <laughs> with uh, with that being said, um, is there is there any other point that you would like to make there, Ray, with uh, with your products and and with anything that uh, would be valid for for this conversation on whether it's forest, whether it's towards um, the products themselves, whether it's towards safety for the volunteers. Any information that uh, you can put out there? You were saying, obviously, with the JIBC, you guys are going to be teaming up and putting on some courses there. Is there any way that they can uh, volunteers can contact you, um, you guys, directly through Fortis and set up training for themselves? Uh, you know what? That's a that's a good question. Um, you know, from the training side of things, um, you, you 
know, I think one of the advantages to the, the venue and, and, uh, and the seminar that you folks put on, that's, that's like the perfect opportunity where you're, you know, you're bringing folks in from all over. And so for us, that's really the, the, the best opportunity. Um, trying to go off and do sort of small little events in certain areas um, are a little bit more difficult strategically to try and do. Uh, and so, you know, where we have an opportunity like the spring seminar, that's that's the absolute perfect event. And then the other reason for the JI um, that I should mention, I mean, we, we've been partnered with them for, for a number of years. And and at the end of the day, what we really, the shift will be that the, the JI will be kind of running these, these programs and, and sessions um, down the road is really where we want to get to, because that just makes sense. That's what they do. And, you know, we we provide the product and stuff, and we've been really invested in this, so we're really invested in them. I'd say that, you know, as there's going to be more information that will come out as far as opportunities for for some of the live fire um, opportunities. And, um, I mean, they're obviously welcome to try and, and reach out to me. Uh, but the Justice Institute already has some existing programs for the marine sectors, so they already train BC Ferries and C-SPAN folks. And I'd expect that as more of the LNG world evolves, you know, we'll start to see container ships and cruise ships and uh, a whole bunch of other vessels starting to. So that's where you know, one of the reasons why more of the training programs around first responders and for the individuals that are operating it will start to evolve with the Justice Institute. So I'd say more to come. Keep your eyes uh, open to, to some of that. Um, as it relates to Fortis and, and the community and stuff, I mean, it, one of the things that I really, really enjoy about Fortis and, and um, retired from my previous career and joined up with Fortis was just their investment in the community, supporting the stronger, healthier community is just something that they really, really believe in. That's just to the core of the values that, that they live by. And so, um, you know, we'll do our, our best to try and meet those needs when requested and, and or at least provide some direction as to where we might be hosting an event. And if folks can go there, then that's what we'll... Uh, We'll try to do, and the electric folks the same thing. Um, you know, the the, uh, the spring seminar for Oliver, the electric folks are going to be there. They do a fabulous job as well as far as the education around that. And we hope to have one new prop with us for Oliver, and it's our our gas prop, um, where we simulate or the idea is to simulate that somebody's gone and dug up a two inch gas line, and to just try and recreate some of the experience of what natural gas coming out of a two inch line in the ground would actually be like in a controlled environment. You know, if at any point you're here, Ray, and uh, you just forget to put any of these props back on the truck when you go home, I'm sure the uh, training grounds would definitely be grateful. I, I think we need the gas to go with it. Yeah. And if you'd like to give oh. us some gas. We, we, can, we can teach you how to do that. No. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, you know, that, that's the beauty of the trader because it's liquefied natural gas. We can convert it to create the gas prop to just do straight natural gas or we can do the liquefied natural gas so we can do either or the two other uh, the other cool prop that we have that unfortunately we'll be able to bring with us is the gauge fire flange fire and we use those sessions for you know the LNG plants and for the folks on the vessels that could deal with a, a flange or gauge fire situation and same thing we can create both gas and or liquid in that prop and give them the whole experience and feel of what that actually is and, and, and you guys mentioned it earlier too the heat radiation is probably one of the biggest things that people really notice and uh, you know how much heat it actually generates off of doesn't seem like a whole lot of, of gas that's there but just the heat that comes off of that is really important to for firefighters or first responders to understand 
Yeah, she does get quite toasty quite quick. We all had to. We all uh, <laughs> got a bit of a like right at the end there because obviously we were running seminar for the entire session. So right at the end of seminar last year, mm. uh, it was just for kind of our guys in our department. We had a quick kind of run over session before you packed up, and yeah, it yep. was. She, it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. You know, the only thing we didn't do, though, is we should have tried to see, you know, how close you have to be to roast a marshmallow. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe that'll be part of what we get a plan for this year, is we'll get some marshmallows on sticks in our fire gear, and then we'll see how close we have to get before it starts to roast a marshmallow. Beautiful. You also get a chief's helmet, yeah. and it looks like a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, uh, Ray, if you want... We're just gonna we're gonna kind of come to the end of this now. So with uh, with everything obviously that you've said um, and the resources that you guys provide, is there somewhere that you could point our listeners and and uh, everyone really towards where they can find more of this information? Obviously, they can do the training through the JIBC. Obviously, they can um, come to our seminar. But if they were looking to look uh, maybe at some video content or some uh, some written word content where they can actually maybe pull some of this into uh, some training situations or at least get the idea behind it, is there anywhere they can go to find this sort of information? The uh, You know what? The Fortis BC website is uh, it's pretty comprehensive. Um and the, and the nice part is is it, it's inclusive of all of the all the uh, the things that Fortis is involved in. So I'd say that the the Fortis website would probably be the the best place to start with. And, and most everybody's pretty much on the interweb now. So uh, going to the Fortis BC website and there's a lot of really good information that's on there. And especially when it starts to talk about you know if, if a person's in an area or in a community and and there's been a gas outage, just the role that the guys. Uh, play and going out and doing relights and, and how important you know they take their job in protecting the, the public and the same thing with electricity and stuff so the website really focuses on on all of those in an emergency here's the things that you need to know what we do on the gas side um, you know here's the contact information and the electric side gets into the detail and stuff that's on there and of course both of those you know we're going to have natural gas and electricity folks at the event in Oliver but uh, go to the website. I think that's uh, the place that everybody will be uh, quite impressed to see a lot of the uh, the detailed information that's on there. And then the obvious one, I mean, the, the call before you dig, um, you know, there's the 1-800 number for that, the 474-6886. And I can't emphasize enough on that one how important, you know, the call before you dig piece is. And then at the end of the day, if it really is an emergency, I mean, it's calling 911. And then we will show... <laughs> it's it's great. Our, we, uh, our technical resources are there. You know, as soon as the call comes into into our Fortis uh, call center, um, once once we receive the call into the call center, then they will dispatch the resources uh, if they need to respond to the call or provide any technical information. So um, that's that's the part that you know is very impressive with the system is just how. You know, they've been doing it for a lot of years, so they've got a lot of experience in this and, and they've got a great track record. And so they will they will provide the resources either on the phone or on boots on the ground to support uh, first responders anywhere in the province. Absolutely. I was just about to say, actually, every single time we've been in a situation where we've required your guys, they've always been prompt and mm -hmm. uh, extremely helpful. Right. Obviously, when we get a structure fire, that's one of the first things that we're calling for. Um, dispatch if uh, they're ahead of the game they're already kind of doing these things um, we had some uh, we had some issues when we were on one of our um, grass wildfires actually 
and uh, one of the poles was going up, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the Fortis guys is actually up there with a with like a little can, with a water can trying to help us. I think it's a requirement in all the trucks they have to have those. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing a good job. <laughs> Not for drinking out of either. <laughs> it worked out well. Yeah, you guys are always there. It's always appreciative of your support on the fire grinds during these situations. And it's always appreciative of uh, how much effort and time you guys put into ensuring that, again, the people that work around your products, the people that work with them, especially at their most dangerous, are trained in these uh, in these methods and tactics. So... Again, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to pop on, have a conversation, really helping us spread that knowledge, share that information, and just making other people more, um, just more, more aware. mindful yeah, yeah, and aware of mindful. the situation. Thank you. It's our pleasure. It, it, it truly is. And, and as I said at the beginning, um, you know, Fortis really values the first responders and the support and anything that we can do to try and help with uh, providing additional education is uh, first and foremost on our list of the things that we'll go out and do. And, uh, you know, the community is, uh, is I mean, you, 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 if you don't look after the community, you don't have a business. And uh, so, I mean, you, we get all of that, but we also live in the same community as all our neighbors. And so it's just the right thing to do for the right reasons. And uh, Fortis will, will do their best to be there every time. We appreciate it, for sure. Boys, any more questions? Fantastic. Well, thanks, guys. I really, I really appreciate you, um, you know, reaching out to us and, and asking us questions, and and excited at the opportunity to hopefully see a lot of first responders, uh, uh, new and old folks uh, that you know are involved in firefighting, to uh, come out to uh, the spring seminar in Oliver. It's uh, we we get really stoked up in the office about that because <laughs> when people are coming with a willingness to learn, then we're that just makes it that much more fun. We appreciate that. Yeah, we. Uh, it's an event that we love to put on. It's it's our it's our bread and butter funness. It's what we look forward to for sure. So it, it's it's a class act. It really is. I was my first time there. I was super impressed with just how well organized the whole event was, and uh, just the support through the whole thing. It uh, it's one of those things. You just didn't want it to end. <laughs> I don't want to go. Around. I want to stay here and play with these guys. This is way more fun. <laughs> love it well Ray again thank you so much for your time we greatly appreciate you coming on thanks to Fortis for all of the support obviously that you guys give to every one of us um, out there in the uh, in the field and yeah we we uh, again we really really appreciate the knowledge drop and it will definitely be very valuable for the people that are going to listen absolutely yeah 100% our pleasure mm -hmm. thanks Ray take care talk soon there you go boys that was a good conversation. See I, yeah. I definitely learned some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a well, a real wealth of knowledge. Um, I found myself silent. I was just a listener, really. Like you guys were flowing really well and yeah. chipping very minimally. Um, it just flowed super, super good. Lots of really good info. So yeah, great to have on. Yeah, I think. Uh, it's uh, again listening through the whole thing um liquid natural gas uh, it, it's a uh, again mm -hmm. like any of the other fossil fuel products fossil fuel products um it all seems to be say fossil fuels fossil fools it's <laughs> <laughs> a good name for rock band there the old fossil fools right yeah they Dated. play like they play classic like rock? i think they play like way classic yeah, rock. really really classic <laughs> rock really, really <laughs> classic rock <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Metallica is considered classic rock now. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, on like Spotify, Metallica, classic rock. I'm like, what? What, what does that say, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> They're idiots. <laughs> it's like classic rock. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, there's some really good information in there, obviously, for helping deal with uh, their different products. Again, as we know, there's a lot of things out there that are dangerous, but if you treat them with respect, just like fire, then uh, you can make sure you find solutions to solving the problems. So, Absolutely. yeah, take it on board. Yeah, uh, We're going to roll straight into the outros, and as we miss the bar boys, completely Ooh. my We fault. heard about it instantly oh, from, from Nick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was my morning. fault. Uh, <laughs> That was totally my fault. We were so pinned uh, on the, you know, all the fun stuff that's going on around us right now and conversations with that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our conversation on seminar, we actually, uh, it, I lost it and I was supposed to come back. We like putting them right at the end as a key point um, because, again, they are very good at what they do. We enjoy um, the the banter back and forth and they're a good bunch of lads. So, Ash? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, after, you know, hearing what kind of poor poor people we are now he, he was really good about it uh yeah i kind of made made fun asked if uh if, if they did something wrong is it you is it me it, it wasn't them it was us um the brotherhood academy radio podcast if uh you've made it this far listening to us this shouldn't be the first time that you're hearing about them uh they're a really good group of firefighters uh from maine um <coughs> They're fairly aggressive, just like we are here. Uh, talking a lot about leadership, a lot about training. Um, again, just a really good group of guys. So head over there, check them out. They're on all of the major social media platforms. They release every Sunday. Uh, they have a follow-up uh, like mini-episode, generally on Wednesdays, for their box alarm. Um, getting a lot of good info and content out to you. So uh, check those guys out. They support us. We support them. Um Except for last week, we didn't. So, <laughs> our major apologies. Absolutely, they're top of the list. Yes. So mm-hmm. take a listen. Absolutely, take a listen. Scott, RZ, RZ mask. I'm actually right on their website right now. Everything is sold out. Mm-hmm. Really? I well, there's one, one mask. It's double XL. It's not sold out. Perfect. So don't get one. Yeah. So you're just gonna get it and then tape it to your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, probably go well over your helmet. So hopefully in the next few months they'll be back. I mean they're they're periodic periodically um they're what's their thing periodically re- replenishing their stock, but obviously in these times people are people are uh, snatching them up. Um, so there's always a reason they're they're good masks. They're um they I don't I don't know if they're I think they're proven again. I mean obviously there's no one <laughs> no one's proven like. Oh, COVID-19 virus. I don't think people are coughing yeah. on them and getting like, hey! <laughs> but, but it's definitely a good barrier and, and it's helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's wearing masks. These are uh, reusable. So, yeah. um, as, as um, Todd said last week, you can really only wear a um, N95 for a certain amount of time before it becomes saturated. Mm-hmm. Did he say that on the podcast or was that afterwards? Uh, actually, I think it was afterwards. Yeah, so yeah. We were talking about Don yeah. and Dolphin. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the N95 is really only good for you know 20, 30 minutes before it becomes saturated um, from you breathing. So... Yeah, these RZ masters probably the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Get one when they they're back in stock. <laughs> and if you do, you can use the discount code. And the discount code is DTFF. Boom. For thirty percent off. Thirty percent. We're good. Love it. 
Ash, Morris. Uh, Modus rescue equipment. Um, again, we uh, give those guys a lot of love. They uh, there there's been a internet uh, hashtag created to get Scottish Snagger, <laughs> and as of today, uh, when we record this, our package is in Richmond, British Columbia. Ooh, so it is uh, it is clearing customs as we speak. Unfortunately, the country shut down. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not getting it. Yeah. It uh, well, it came from Canada. Oh, so, no, so I shouldn't uh, say clearing customs. No, I was gonna say what? <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's in the airport. Sorry, right. so right. yeah, because they are a uh, Canadian company, so it's not clearing customs. I take <clears throat> take that back. Um, so hashtag get Scottish Snagger. Well, they got Scottish Snagger, so it's coming in hot, uh, and there's some new uh, some new tools coming as well. So uh, we are we got the green light that we can uh, share with you guys everything that we have. So so look for that coming up. We're going to be dropping some video content to you guys in the very near future. Yeah, and for your chance to win Scott Snagger. <laughs> For your chance to see Carl get uh, throat punch. <laughs> or jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's not a verb, <laughs> it'll become one. Carly, it's not. Uh, stop the bleed. Well, hang on. Oh. If you want to buy theirs, because they're not sold out. Oh. Boom. DTFF5, you're going to get 5% off of uh, anything you choose to check out from Modus. Your cart. Yep. Boom. So if you're getting lots... Like equipping your entire department, five mm-hmm. percent's a pretty good chunk, mm-hmm. especially for a smaller, smaller company just getting started. Uh, they're doing really big things, <clears throat> so yeah, mm. helps. Buy one for a friend. Mm-hmm. Scott, stop the bleed. Stop the bleed is what's gonna happen to Carl if he gives away my snagger. I am so. <laughs> <doing> <laughs> I'm so doing it. <laughs> Actually, I will not stop the bleed. <laughs> I will forget all of my training. <laughs> Uh, StopTheBleed.org is where you want to go to learn about uh, bleeding control. Um, we talk about it every week. High fidelity, high fidelity sims are the best as taught, and I, um, I want to say we dictate, <laughs> we proclaim. The uh, these these uh, this course is designed to, you know, mitigate the massive hemorrhage. Which in trauma, it's it's one of the easiest things to stop is, is hemorrhage is, is hemorrhaging. So um, we do these stop the bleed courses. Uh, it's totally free online to become an instructor. Is if if you have uh, past medical experience, um, EHS, anything like that, you can become an instructor. Uh, check it out. Yeah, quality material. Uh, uh, Ash, Sirat, uh, Sirat from Ignition USA. Uh, we went down and had a chat with uh, Jason. Um, demoed the uh, CRAT tool, Seattle, Seattle Rapid Access Tool. Uh, it's a soft entry tool um, for times that you don't need to uh, completely destroy the door to gain access to a building, uh, which <coughs> we make fun of being counterproductive to everything in our being. But uh, <laughs> it, it does def- definitely have a purpose if uh, you're going to... Check on a patient. COVID nineteen call. call. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need to blow blow their door out. You can gain access and still be able to secure the building behind. And again, as a firefighter, it's so easy to overload our pockets with so much stuff. So it can't just be a single soft 
soft edge, soft entry tool. Uh, it does like seven things in one. So check that out. It's online. Uh, he does have a couple other items on the website there as well. Uh, he's on uh, most of the social medias, your Facebooks, Instagram, TikTok even. Uh, you get a bunch of the info coming across there. Uh, and if you like what you see, uh, DTF 2020 will give you 20% off of your purchase. Uh, we are anticipating ours any day now. So uh, can't can't wait to be showing you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, may as well do a with Me? Sure. Yeah, well, you're sporting the goods. I am. Yeah. So uh, uh, Legion Engineered. Uh, it's a company... An initiative uh, started by Joel Struthers, uh, author of Appel, a comedian in the French Foreign Legion. So we had Joel on um, a couple episodes ago now. Uh, really good. What's it been ago? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It's crazy. It's in January. Yeah, time, time's flying. He, uh, so yeah, he's the author, the author of Appel. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just his, his way of giving back. He... Uh, um, uh, wrote this book and now has this apparel company, uh, Legion Engineered. Uh, some pretty cool designs, uh, and proceeds, uh, portions of proceeds go to uh, PTSD awareness, uh, recovery, and things like that. So, um, if uh, say Canada is the uh, largest uh, seller this year, uh, he will donate uh, portions of the proceeds to uh, Canadian PTSD. PTSD awareness. If it's in the U.S., it'll go to the U.S. So, uh, really, really cool initiative that he's got going on there. So check that out. Again, it's uh, it's all over the social media platforms. Uh, you can find it uh, Legion Engineered. You can find it under his personal. Uh, everything is under his personal. Joel Struthers, uh, and then yeah, he's he's got like three three or four other um, Instagrams and Facebooks to follow. So check that out. Really cool idea, uh, and the gear set. So, yeah, you got some nice stuff. Mm -hmm. Secondalarm.org. Our friend Matt, secondalarm.org. Check them out. They, uh, Matt is trying to raise awareness of all the fun things that volunteer firefighters get to do and trying to get more volunteer firefighters into your fire halls. If you are short on members, this is a cause that you should be looking to support. So check them out, secondalarm.org. Carl sometimes needs a third alarm to get up, though. <laughs> like, wow. Well. <laughs> That's awesome. It's not going away. Just mm -hmm. accept it and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously you got us. Uh, you can obviously find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Um, we're also on, actually, I got our profile up on, uh, what was the other one? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> Businessy relation y stuff, which yeah. we've had a couple of people now reach out and have conversations with yeah. me about. So it's been good. It's been good. We've got some, got some uh, yeah. nice little chats here and some good prompts. Um, if you do appreciate what we do and you like listening and uh, you get a little bit of something out of this and it's useful, um, then let us know. Drop us a like, give us a comment, definitely give us a review mm -hmm. if you possibly can. All greatly appreciated ways of helping us get in front of more people and uh, yeah, get more people on the show to have deeper conversations about all sorts of fun things that we like to talk about around here. So uh, yeah, if you could and you would, give us a like, comment and a share and yeah, we'd appreciate it. Uh, we've talked about a lot tonight, seminar, um, still 
very high up in the air. We are holding uh-huh. on with bated um, breath. Yeah, it seems like every day we're getting reduced more and more uh, um, people allowed to be gathered. Um, borders are closing. But, but, you know, I think a lot of things changed in the last few weeks. A lot of things can change in the next few weeks. April 3rd, we'll, we will make our announcement one way or the other. Um, if not, you know, we're going to get through this, and next year we'll have a really good seminar that we will be really well prepared for, because basically all the legwork's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, we'll be ready to roll, for sure. So either way, keep your uh, keep your eye on us. We'll, uh, we'll let you know as soon as we do. Gentlemen, any more for any more? No, sir. Ash? Thanks, guys. Scott? Good night. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Stay DTFF.